Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open's the Masters class. And as you know, this drops each and every Sunday with some of the best in the world of pro wrestling. My co-host, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray, and the heart and soul of professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer. Today's topic, unsung heroes of pro wrestling. Don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. But guys, great to have you back for the Busted Open Masters class again. Nice to Great to be here. The topic today, guys, is unsung heroes of pro wrestling. And the reason why we're doing it is come Sunday at WrestleMania Backlash, Cesaro is finally getting his championship opportunity. A lot of fans have fallen in love with his character. Why? Because in all the years that he's been with the WWE, I guess a lot of fans feel like he just hasn't gotten the opportunity. He's been that one wrestler that fans have been behind that has never held a major world championship. So in a lot of ways, he's the unsung hero of the WWE. So I'll start with you, Tommy. Who's your unsung hero of pro wrestling? Are you sure you want to start with him? Because he's eating right now. As you're talking, he's shoving, he shoved a a sandwich. sandwich. Something. (laughs) Well, Bully, I was going to. There's a burrito. Okay, well. Per the outline, you were supposed to start first. Oh, I almost choked to death on a burrito. I got a pinto bean lodged in my gullet. We taped this for 20 minutes, and you decide you have 23 hours and 40 minutes to eat, but you've decided to eat within the 20 minutes of this show. I get hungry, David. I'll go first. No problem. All right. Swallow. Get the, bur- get the burrito out of your teeth. Get, get, that, get that pinto bean out of your teeth. <laughs> little salsa. All right. My guy, we all kind of know the reason why, but I'm going to give you a bit of a what if. And my guy is the superfly Jimmy Snuka. Jimmy was a main draw in every place that he went to. Never held a world championship. Now, if we do the what if, what if he was the guy that went to the top of the cage and splashed Bob Backlund and won the world Mm -hmm. title? Before Hulkamania... Jimmy Super Fly Snooker is the top guy in the business. And now if he is the top guy, the 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 flag bearer for the WWF, 
he was turning babyface already, <clears throat> turns babyface, has this amazing run where the business is already on top, then loses to the Iron Sheik, and then here comes Hulkamania. He could also have turned on Hulk Hogan to have these amazing historic matches. But my pick, because you think about it, <clears throat> he influenced so many in such an iconic moment. We understand why they didn't, you know, they wanted to, but they didn't pull the trigger on Jimmy just because like, Hey, if he wasn't having a good day, he wouldn't show up. <clears throat> but uh, for me, it would be Jimmy Snooker because he was the biggest draw before the expansion of the WWE and, it, you know, before the territory started dying off, he went to every territory. He would pop every territory. And even if you think about it, when he left the WWE and he came back, he still was such a big star. And he was, and I know Dave, this upsets you, but he was really kind of almost borderline enhancement talent for, you know, talent, just come in there, have a match and lose. I feel that was kind of punishment, but I even think back then you could have also, because I think he was in a different place in his life, uh, done a lot more with Jimmy Snooker. And yes, he's a Hall of Famer, but he never held that title. And to me, he was bigger than that uh, title. And think of the revenue you could have drawn in the houses with Jimmy Snooker first as your heel champion, beating Bob Backlund, then just going full-blown babyface. You literally could have done everything that you did the Ray Stevens thing, all that stuff, and just had amazing houses with Jimmy Snooker on top. Tommy, yeah, can, I, I, can I ahead, hit Mark. you with something? Like, there, I, I look at it pretty much, that's, that's a good take. It's not my guy, but it's, it's right there. Number three was on my list. Uh, but would you have done anything different, Tommy? I mean, you, you put the title on him, and he has a bad day. And it just happens to be SummerSlam or Survivor Series or, you know, in your house, or, you know, one of the major pay-per-views at that time. Like, you you just can't do it. I, I didn't blame the WWF for not doing it because if I owned the company and I had a guy that was over, I mean, Tony Atlas. Yeah. Tony Atlas was over as hell. He, he should have been one of the guys. He's in my top five. He was in my but, top five, too. But but he, I, you couldn't give it to Tony and Jimmy because they would no show or they would try to stick the promoter up. So, well, the business was uh, different. And, and here's the other reason: if you think about it, literally, if you didn't like what you could were like there, oh screw it, I'll go here, I'll go there. Think if Bub, if Bully was wrestling during that time, he'd be wrestling everywhere. He'd be the top guy everywhere. I don't like what I'm doing. I'm out. Yeah. Top um, Hill, I'm gone. You don't want to do it? Fine. Somebody will. Go oh, fuck your ass. I'm out. <laughs> Mid-Atlantic here. I crock it. Where are you? Um, but listen, he did help hold every regional title. And this is, you know, I don't know the difference between working for Vince Sr. than working for Vince. And that whole run that he first had was working for Vince Sr. And then once Vince came around, I get that, hey, you know, but I mean, dude, did you ever think you'd see Eric Bischoff in WWE? Vince, if some talent would have listened, be like, hey, man, you're going to be set for the rest of your life. Uh, and I know it's different times, but maybe the, some of those things wouldn't happen. That's why I gave it a big what if. But I don't know if I'm Vince McMahon Sr., which a lot of older wrestlers had a different relationship with him. 
if he would have said, listen, Jimmy, I wanted, and maybe he would have done it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, just that he was my guy. And yes, I'm just talking about from a fan's point of view or business wise. I, I, lit- I mean, you, uh, you also know the story cause he's told it. Tony Atlas was hired to be, Oh no, he was hired to be the junkyard dogs babysitter, but you literally, Tim White was Shawn Michaels babysitter. You tell somebody, Hey, you're going to be the babysitter of this guy. You're going to have a job. You're going to make a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. I think he might've gone for it. My opinion. Well, uh, I mean, that's a good with, take. With, with, I, I like Tom. Listen, I grew up in the snooker era too. And if I had to say who was my favorite wrestler back then, it would have been Jimmy snooker. But the word that I heard attached to Jimmy Snooker back in the day was unreliable. And as a promoter, as a booker, as an owner, if you have a talent, no matter how over he is, especially as over as Snooker was, if he's unreliable, you will always be walking on eggshells. And there's a couple of infamous stories where he showed up and just decided to go home that night with Atlas. That's another great... Not today, brother. Not today. Uh, Atlas is another great one. I grew up, you know, on Tony Atlas, Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. But Tony was a bit of a loose cannon at times. I mean, Tony has told me himself. Uh, I remember yeah. being on a, on a flight from Newark, New Jersey to Bangor, Maine, and me and Tony sitting right next to each other and him telling me all the stories. And they basically paid him twenty five hundred dollars to sit in his hotel room during WrestleMania one, because they didn't want Tony to disrupt anything because Tony was in a bad mood back then. So imagine paying a guy to stay in the hotel during what was to become the biggest wrestling event of the year. So I understand both of your picks because both of your picks were favorites of mine as a kid, but now as grownups in the business, knowing what we're knowing, I could understand how promoters would be very, very nervous about making either one of those guys, their top guys. And, and as you said, in 1983, there was no wrestler more popular than Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Mark, uh, I know you have that list, and you said Jimmy was one of yours, but what, who is the wrestler that's on the top of your list? Man, the number one guy is Ted DiBiase. As a little kid watching Mid-South Wrestling and watching him and JYD and him and Jake Roberts, like, I, 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 would, I would watch Mid-South over WWWF at that time. Because I just thought, you know, Bruno San Martino, he was one of those guys that held the title for like three or four years. I knew he was going to win. But with Mid-South, you didn't know who was going to win at the pay-per-views or, well, at the big shows at, back then because <laughs> there was no pay-per-view system. But you didn't know who was going to win. And it was a real 100% shoot who was the most over. Who drew the most money? And during that time, everybody that was anybody, Ted DiBiase was the major heel because he he was Randy Orton at that time. He could he could he, if he if you wanted to turn Ted DiBiase babyface, can you imagine how great he would have been as a babyface? He was an amazing babyface, dude. He. Uh... You know, I, I I didn't see him that much as a babyface because I grew up watching Mid-South. Right. But, man, I, I look at Ted DiBiase even now. Even now. He's a, what, 70, 70-something-year-old man? He comes on the screen and he starts talking and you do this. 
he, he's got that animal magnetism. And, he, and, and when he was young, bully, I remember he clotheslined JYD over the top. No, he didn't. He threw him through the ropes to the floor. And he took both hands and plunged from the ring to the floor on top of JYD with the double axe handle. Bang! Oh, I still don't see nobody do that today. Hmm. Today, we're we're the most athletic business in the world. Tell me when you saw somebody do it. I'll wait. So you say? So you're saying like? Uh, instead of a traditional house show dive where you go up and over the top rope and then kind of high cross body the guy, he was going up and over the top and coming down with a double axe handle. Coming down with the double axe handle and landing on his feet. Nice. Ted DiBiase was a monster amongst normal wrestlers. And for him not to be Ric Flair, it just puzzles the shit out of me. Did he, did, was, he like, was he like Jake Roberts? Was he like Tony Atlas? Was he like Snooker during that time where they, they, they looked at him as a great worker? They looked at him as a smooth guy, a transitional guy that could work with any talent from a midget to the giant to everybody in between. Did they look at him like that so much that he never got to be a Seth Rollins? That he the never got I, to be I a Randy know. Orton? I don't what the What, what happened? Well, I want if, if I ever if I ever had Vince McMahon on on the show, my number one question of all questions would be, why was Ted DiBiase not like a super champion? Because because he was a that, heel for Vince. I would yeah, answer that, but, and also I would say if I'm Vince McMahon, because I had Hulk Hogan. And mm. if you look at the business and, and dude, I'm in a total agreement with you. And I've said this, like I've watched Ted DiBiase since literally like when he started in the WWF, when he was a baby face and he, you know, he was the North American champion. Uh, and then he left and then you watched his rise in, in Georgia. He was a top guy as a top baby face. And then as a top heel and even in mid South, when he first came in as a baby face, and then he turned again on the junkyard dog, got the rat pack going. He had the loaded glove. But then if, if you remember, it's one of the greatest angles ever when uh, he got brain busted on the floor by Dick Murdoch. And he was their number one heel facing Ric Flair and this amazing bleeding his guts out and then literally turned in his match, turned to a top baby face. But then he went on to go to the WWE. I would say back then, maybe promoters, because he's also, as you all know, He's one of those guys, too, that is so deceptively big. But on television, yeah. it didn't oh look God. like he had a great body. Oh, my body. God. On TV, Man, he didn't he, come he across he that he had a good body, but he was one of the best workers of all time. Six and I also five, just think... Yeah, and I just think for Hulk Hogan, Stood. like if I'm Vince McMahon, I had Hulk Hogan, I didn't need anybody else. And everyone was there just to put over Hogan. Tommy, do you yeah. think that they gave him the million-dollar title as a substitute to keep him there probably and not have to worry about the, the, the world title. Probably. And it got, it garnered so much heat that it's a great observation, a hundred percent great talent. And also like, this also goes back to where we're talking about Jimmy Snuka. If you didn't like your creative or, or where they were headed, you could leave. Think of that. Hey, I don't like what you guys are doing. I'm going to go make, 
the same amount of money for someone else. Mm. I remember talking to Rick and Scott Steiner where they were like, oh, they had a disagreement in Poughkeepsie with Vince and they were like, you promise us this, this, this. And they literally like, eh, we went back to WCW two weeks later and we we're making more money. So like, and we're talking about crazy wrestlers. All right, I, I want to say something ahead, about DiBiase real quick, Dave. When you think of Vince McMahon's creations, ideas that came out of Vince, that were born in Vince's brain and came out of Vince's mouth, the number one thing I, person I think of is The Undertaker. Yep. But I also think about DiBiase right behind that because Vince was living vicariously through DiBiase. DiBiase was almost Mr. McMahon before Mr. McMahon. DiBiase was almost like the gimmicky version of Mr. McMahon. So I think I think that DiBiase could probably be the best heel that Vince has ever created. You got to remember, Vince did not create Hulk Hogan. He did not create Stone Cold Steve Austin. He did not create The Rock. Steve evolved into Steve. Rocky evolved into Rocky. Hulk was Hulk before he got there, but Vince gave him the bigger platform. Vince invented the undertaker who wound up becoming one of the biggest baby faces ever in the history of WWE. And he invented Ted DiBiase. So I think Ted was probably bit by the fact that the WWE was never a baby. was never a heel world champion territory. You could be an interim heel world champion, but they never really banked on a, a heel world champ. That's just the way I look at it. And I think mm. Vince McMahon would probably prefer that character over that champion and be able to create that Ted DiBiase million dollar man character probably meant more to him than him holding a championship title. All right. For me, because some of the things that you guys have been talking about, reliability, um, a great worker, um, being a baby face when the championship is held by a heel to me, somebody who was rookie of the year in 1982, and my pick is Brad Armstrong as unsung heroes of pro yeah. wrestling. Because all you hear is how great a worker he was, how reliable he was, and he was a baby face at the time when there was a heel world champion. And Brad Armstrong, from where he started to how he just became kind of like that good hand bully, as you would describe, that kind of describes Brad Armstrong. And I thought, especially in the early to mid-80s, that this guy was going to be a world champion at some point and just never held a world championship. So my pick is Brad Armstrong. Mm, that's a good one, man, because I, I've heard the stories. I, and if anybody that knows Arn Anderson uh, and talked to Arn Anderson for more than five minutes, he said the most natural guy that he was ever around, including being around Rick and Tully and all those guys, was Brad Armstrong. He said, Brad didn't have to see you. He didn't have to talk to you. He could look across the ring at you and go 20 minutes with you and kill it. Just kill the crowd. Just blow them. You didn't want to follow him. You, they, that's what Arn said. He's like, if you follow Brad, you had to go have a WrestleMania match. <laughs> wow. I you know agree. how cold so, you got to be to have Arn Anderson say, this dude was more natural than Ric Flair? Come on, man. Why was he not? I agree. Why was he I, not? I think he should have been a guy, too, to have like a run like a Kerry Von Eric or a Tommy Rich where he won the title, which would elevate him and continue mm -hmm. on that path. Because for then, he was the prototypical babyface of the 80s. So, Dave, you brought up Brad Armstrong. I'm uh, obviously from the great Armstrong family. I will ask you this, though. 
Do you believe that Brad had Bullet Bob's fire or Road Dog's charisma? I think he had a little bit of both. Like, did he have it to the extent of them? No, but he had just enough where I, I thought he was Ricky Morton-esque, where when he was down and he was out in the ring, he had the crowd at the palm of his hand and didn't make that big baby face comeback. He just was never, he just never had that opportunity. He did a little bit in 83 and a tiny bit in 84. And then after that, for the rest of his career, he was just that other guy. I, I agree hmm. with Tommy. If he was given like a short title reign, like a Tommy Rich or a Kerry Von Eric, it would have catapulted him to superstardom. Just never happened. Now, Bully, since we haven't gotten to you yet, unsung hero of pro wrestling. So quick little backstory for our fans listening right now. Um, every week when we discuss uh, this podcast, we have a group text, a group chat uh, of what we want to you know, talk about. So I was doing cardio. What? You got five seconds to laugh Why? and make fun of me. Eyes. One. Velvet put a Twinkie on a stick and said, come find me. <laughs> Five. Okay, your time limit's up. So I was doing cardio in the gym, and I got the text, and uh, it was about unsung heroes of pro wrestling, and I think it might have even said who never held a major championship or something like that. And it took me exactly one second to know who I was going to talk about. The answer came to me immediately. It's like when Jericho was talking to Austin about how the wrestling gods just give you the right match or give you the right promo or give you can the right we, can answer. Can we all get a guess? Sure, yeah, yes, Mark. Uh, Roddy Piper. Nope. Tommy, gonna guess. Who you gonna guess, Tommy? I don't want to say, but I'll I'll text it, and then I'm gonna do a Kreskin when he reveals it. Hang on. Okay, Dave. Okay, so Dave, while he's texting, you you give your answer. Uh, I'll just throw out Wahoo McDaniel. No. Absolutely not. So as we're waiting on Dreamer's text, come Absolutely on, Dreamer. Take, get, no, go, get go. Fat I'm fingers just going to do a Kreskin. I'll put my phone okay, down. So here's the, here's the answer that immediately popped into my head. Unsung hero of the pro wrestling business. Tommy Dreamer. What? Uh, Was that your answer, Tommy? And the answer you is... You guessed yourself? Yep. It's like putting yourself you yourself? on the power rankings. Wow. You're an egomaniac. <laughs> You're an egomaniac. That's worse than putting yourself no. number one. Number one. Got up and let me get a spotlight. I've never won anything. <laughs> how he was building uh, how he was building it up. I we share the same fat brain. I just saw and he was gonna say it. I just knew it. Tommy, I, I, I'd, to have me. To, I'd have to say this bullies bullies it right. You, I, I didn't consider you. I I considered you be a champion of wrestling all these years, but you you weren't the main champion. No. And I didn't ever. I, why did you not cross my mind? I have to readjust my list because you've laid on top of me about thirty five to one hundred times. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> stop! Stop! Let this Bubba is, put me over for once. This is on record. <laughs> Uh, it, it immediately came to me, a, a Dreamer, because when we talk about the greatest baby faces or the best sellers in wrestling, we always talk about Ricky Morton and Ricky Steamboat and Shawn Michaels. 
I don't know about you guys, but I've never seen fans in the front row actually lean over the front row to pick Ricky Morton up. I've never seen fans lean over the front row to pick Ricky Steamboat up or to pick, you know, uh, uh, Sean up. I witnessed with my own eyes in various different promotions at various different times, fans reaching over the guardrail to help Tommy get to his feet. Selling to the level of a belief to believability where fans felt like they had to be Tommy's family members right then and there and lift him up. Um, more blood, sweat, and tears than just about anybody that there is. The, the, the way he put his body on the line. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Listen, man, you're right. I can't. I, I'm sitting here fucking tripping because I wrestled Tommy as the meanest dude in the business. And I pulled Tommy to the corner and I was going to Vader splash him. And I got up to the top, bang! I got a Coke can through and hitting the throat in the chest. When you are able to, to get the crowd to lose their damn mind, to risk getting thrown out of the arena or going to jail, you're, you're different. And it was so easy. Time We talk about all the times we wrestled. Like, it was the easiest match I ever had. Tommy Dreamer and Jamie Noble. The two easiest guys I ever got to wrestle. I could, I could act like I was going to hit them and the crowd would boo. Tommy, I'm sorry for not putting you number one on my list. It's okay. Uh, I don't Damn. consider he's, myself. He's, like, he's actually having a lot more fun listening to me put him over because this is like Haley's Comet. It happens once every 76 years. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Go so, ahead. And, I'm and, done. And, and just, and just, I mean, obviously in ECW, listen, here's a little known fact about Tommy. Tommy couldn't get over in ECW. Tommy had to kill himself for the people to get over. He was almost too pretty, too smooth, too white meat of a baby face for ECW. And the ECW crowd didn't really like that. So Tommy started killing himself for that crowd. And they pumped the brakes and hit reverse. And they're like, this guy has done it all for us. He sold with his face up. He showed the pain, the anguish, the struggle that he was going through. And fans felt that same pain, anguish, and struggle. Here's the thing, and I learned this firsthand about Tommy. For some reason, much like you said, Dave, about Armstrong, or, or Mark, you were talking about DiBiase, you just didn't get it. I got it after a while because Vince McMahon actually told me to my face, and I was, I was floored when I heard this, and Tommy doesn't even know this story, but I'll tell it because I disagreed with Vince, and I told him I disagreed with him to his face. The night in Philadelphia, Monday Night Raw, when the Dudleys had come back to WWE, we did the Dudleys, Dreamer, and Rhino versus all of the Wyatt family. Three segments on Raw, Philadelphia street fight, tore the house down, blew the roof all the place, yada, yada. Well, before we had that match that night, I knew after that match, me and Demon really had nothing left to do with the Wyatts, or we, we had been babyfaces now for six months. We got to do something different. I went into Vince. I said, Vince, listen, perfect opportunity tonight for us to lose, but have Tommy lose the match for us. And if Tommy loses the way I know Tommy can lose, when we eventually get Tommy to his feet, those 20,000 people in Philly are going to give us a standing ovation because of the love that they have for Tommy and the ECW connection. I said, and just when the people are up on their feet, 
bang, we're going to 3D Tommy right in the middle and we will instantly turn and you'll have a baby face Dudleys to run with. Uh, you'll have a heel Dudley to run with ever, whatever baby face teams you want to run with, like the Usos or whoever we were doing business with. And Vince looks at me and he goes, ah, Tommy. And I go, yeah. He goes, ah, do you really think they're going to believe in Tommy that much? I go, Vince, it's Tommy. He goes, I get it, Philly, but what about the rest of the world? I go, Vince, he's one of the most over baby faces that you might not realize is there. And I could not convince him. And I walked out of the room and I yelled, fuck. And I looked back at him and I was so mad that I could not change his mind and close that deal because I believed in Tommy so much. And I knew that Tommy turning would put extra steam on him. I mean, Tommy, us turning on Tommy would put extra steam on Tommy as a baby face. And Vince would have had another great mid card face for all of his heels. And we would have turned heel and we would have had something to do more with the Usos. And that is my firsthand account of how I believed in somebody, but maybe a promoter didn't. And Paul Heyman was smart enough to know that Tommy never needed a championship. That's how over Tommy was. Wow. And that's Tommy, it, Tommy. Andre. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You were Andre. So I'm up here about to cry. <laughs> Bully, listen, man. Like, that is beautiful. And we joke around of the tough guys and all that shit, but to pay tribute and to, to give homage to your fellow combatant is the ultimate victory. It's not the title. It's the, it's the, it's the affection and the, and the admiration from the locker room. When you come down the hallways and the boys go, yeah, man. Yeah, man. I see you. Like, that's, that was better than fucking winning the title to me. And everybody that I know, Tommy, listen, I'm sitting here tripping, like, right now. I'm, I'm like really tripping because I, can see. I remember how and, and, great and Mark, it was this, to Mark, work with you. This has zero to do with friendship. You know that. When, I, when, I I, know, when I we're know. talking about wrestling, it is strictly business to me. Friendship never gets in the way. Personal relationships, I could give a flying rat's ass about personal relationships. It is business. Tommy is one of the greatest baby faces in the history of the business who is an unsung hero of professional wrestling and hasn't get, been given his due. Wow. Well, wow. I'm changing I'm changing my pick. I know Mark is changing his. Uh, I'm changing mine. <laughs> uh, so Tommy Dreamer is definitely the unsung hero of pro wrestling guys. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, look on look on your video screen if you look closely. He's about to cry. No, I, I mean, I've known this for years. Yes, you are. You're about to cry. <laughs> he said, I've known this for years. <laughs> I thank you guys. I thank you guys. Uh, it, it does mean a lot. But uh, I got it, and I, I realized, like, the wrestling business behind the scenes is what somebody else thinks of you. And we have all been at that point where someone doesn't think a lot of you, but then it just needs somebody to be in your corner or somebody to think of you. Vince. Paul Heyman saw more than me than Vince and, and I got it. I've also had conversations with Vince where he was like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know why people like you. And he got mad at me. Great. And I was like, I don't know. Imagine pushing me, <laughs> but it's and there okay. you have it. That and just brings complete vindication to my so validity, to my story. 
Well, thank you. All right. unsung, hero, unsung heroes of pro wrestling. Guys, thank you so much. Don't forget to please rate. Give us a five-star rating. And make sure you subscribe to the Busted Open podcast. We drop this every single Sunday, the Busted Open's master's class. And don't forget, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.